Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We'll begin in the book of Genesis chapter 9 and we will move throughout various passages today as we do consider how God views life. In this passage in Genesis chapter 9, Noah has come off of the ark after spending 150 days afloat upon the flood waters after waiting and sending out various birds to figure out whether or not it was safe to disembark from the ark. He has heard from God. He has offered sacrifice to God. God has promised never to destroy the earth again through the flood. God has reminded, given us the reminder of the changing seasons to be reminded that he is faithful. And in chapter 9, God begins to um, establish his covenant with Noah. And we have these words in Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you, just as I gave you the green plants. Now I give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each man, too. I will demand accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for your word and what it teaches us about life. What it teaches us about us. What it teaches us about you. As we consider your word and the the teaching as we look throughout scripture. Guide my words. Give me clear words. Give me a tongue that does not stumble too much. And give your people open ears and open eyes. Change us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last year, two records were set. I'm sure there were a lot more than two records set, but I want to look at two particular records that were set last year. First one may be a world record if it could be corroborated. In December of 2018, baby Sabi was born in a San Diego hospital. Sabi was born at 23 weeks, which in and of itself is not a record. The record for the youngest baby ever born is just over 21 weeks. But the record that baby Sabi set is for the lightest baby ever born. She clocked in at 8.6 ounces. Just over half a pound, just over the size of the average apple. In May of 2019, Sabi went home weighing a little over five pounds. And Sabi's story was covered by most of the major news agencies in the United States. This past December, December of 2019, Planned Parenthood announced its numbers for fiscal year ending in June 2019. As part of their annual report, they stated that they had performed 345,672 
abortions in their facilities, which for them was a record surpassing last year's numbers by almost 4%. You don't think too much about that number until you realize that just an extra few extra abortions, they'd have been doing close to a thousand a day. They also surpassed another corporate record in that they received 9% more government funding this year than they did last year. As a culture, we are unclear on the nature of life and its sanctity. We are confused at best and have double standards. At worst, we celebrate the medical and technological advancements that make the survival of an 8.6 ounce baby possible. We celebrate the right to murder that same child had the mom made a decision the day earlier. We prosecute people who kill the unborn in a car wreck or during a homicide. And we make exceptions for that prosecution if the person who kills the child is directed to do so by the will of the mother. The church has several things to say about this. The church has a lot of things to say about this, but today I want to focus on three. The first is, why do we have abortion? The second is that life is sacred. And the third, that God offers forgiveness. First, turn with me to James chapter 4. That's James chapter 4 as we see why it is that we have abortion in our culture. James is, has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It is James's letter to the church giving them practical guidance and advice on the church. And in James chapter 4, he's talking about submitting to God and he says these things beginning in verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives more grace? That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James here is talking to the church that he wrote to, and he's talking about fights and quarrels within the church. He's talking about arguments between men and women within the church. And he says, why do you argue? Why do you fight? It's because of what you want. It's because of your desires. And it's not just our desires that cause us to fight. It's those areas where our desires are in opposition to what God desires, to what God wills. Have you ever been in an argument with anybody? Has that argument ever devolved into just a screaming match? That is because I want what I want. And I want what I want. And what you want, I don't care about. And what God wants, I don't care about. That's why I get angry. That's why I yell. That's why I scream. That's why we argue. That's why we fight. And that's why we have abortion in our world. 
is because we want what we want. And quite frankly, what we want is comfort and convenience. What we want is ease and not to be confronted too much with the reality that we are not in control. And that oftentimes comfort and ease and convenience are things that are impossible to reach in our world. And unfortunately, if that is the way you look at the world, a baby confronts you with the fact that life is not easy, that you cannot have what you want. Babies take sacrifice. Babies take setting aside wants and desires. Babies take the admission that the pursuit of pleasure brings with it consequences. In this case, a grand consequence, a wonderful consequence. But the pursuit of pleasure in our world brings inconvenience. It comes across and reminds us that our desires are not ultimate. And so we murder. We set aside a life. Why do we have abortion in our world? Because I want what I want and you want what you want. And those rarely, at least not often, agree with what God wants. Secondly, life is sacred. We see this in the Genesis passage that we read that actually quotes back the the words that God gave to creation as we created in Genesis chapter one, as he's nearing the end of creation, the pinnacle of creation, he forms man out of the dust of the ground. He breathes life into the ground and he says, man and women are created in the image of God. And there's been a lot of discussion over the years as to what that means. It means at its most basic level that we mirror God in this world our, our intelligence, our wisdom, our emotions, our life mirrors God. But what it also means is that life is sacred. Life is special. And God reminds Noah of this after Noah comes off the ark. And he says, if you murder somebody, if one human murders another human, the human who murdered their, their life is forfeit. Eye for an eye, life for a life. God has declared that we, that every single human being is created, is designed with dignity and honor in being created in the image of God. That even includes people that we consider to be very much marred images of God, the the disabled and the handicapped. Several years ago, the nation of Iceland celebrated the fact that they no longer had any Down syndrome babies born in their country. Because they took the aggressive stance that they did not deserve to see the light of day and aborted them in the womb. Lives, humans are created in the image of God. Secondly, we know life is sacred because we are knit Together in our mother's womb. We talked about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called by God to speak to the nation of Israel. And he says, I don't have the words to say. I don't have the I don't have the eloquence to say the words that you want me to say. And God told him, I put you together in your mother's womb before you were conceived. 
I planned this out for you. Don't argue with me. In short, David says in Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16, 16, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Each and every human life is not only created in the image of God, but it is purposefully and gloriously knit together by God in the womb. And the third reason we know that life is sacred is because we know and are taught that God is sacred over all life, even over pregnancies. Psalm 121, verse 8. The Lord will watch over or literally the Lord will keep your coming and your going both now and forevermore. In the immediate context, the psalmist is talking about our getting up and and going out and coming back home every day. But then he adds the, the qualifier there as well, both now and forevermore. Our entrance into this world is kept by God. God has sovereignly placed each child in the womb of their mother, no matter how they got there. God is sovereign over that pregnancy. God rules over that pregnancy. Life is sacred because we are created in the image of God, because God knits us together in our mother's womb. And God is sovereign over all of life, even pregnancy. But God is also a forgiving God. God will judge sin. But God offers a way to people who have been affected by abortion, whether you have had an abortion yourself or whether you have been party to asking a woman to have an abortion. God offers forgiveness. Abortion is not the unforgivable sin. I remember when Michelle and I first got married, we would take part in marches for life. And I am so happy that over time, these marches added to their signs. Most of the signs when we started in the march were just things like abortion kills a baby. Abortion is wrong. Abortion is murder. And over time, the Right for Life organization started mixing in to their to their signs. But God forgives. Grace is there for all. See, the reality is, is each and every one of us suffer from the James chapter four problem. Each and every one of us, whether we've had an abortion, been party to an abortion or not, stand under the weight of God's judgment because we want what we want. We don't want what God wants. And we pursue what we want, our desires instead of his desires. But God says, I will send somebody to earth who will pursue God's desires above all things, who will walk this earth and be perfect, who will walk this earth and earn for himself the glories of eternal life with God and suffer under a sinner's death. So that those who are sinners. Can have life. 
and know that whatever sin you have committed, there is grace enough to cover and to forgive that sin. Theologians have said in the past, there is we are oftentimes surprised by the depth of our own depravity. But we should be more surprised by the depth of God's grace, which goes so far deeper, so much deeper than our depravity, than our sin, than our wants and desires and offers forgiveness and absolution from sin. We have abortion because we desire our desires. God has declared that life is sacred and God offers forgiveness In many ways, I understand I'm speaking to the choir for many of you. So what can we do about this? What can we do about abortion in our culture? The first thing we can do, and each and every one of us should be doing, is praying. We should be praying for lives of babies in this culture. We should be praying for the hearts of mothers and fathers who are considering abortion. And ask that God would change their hearts. But above all, we should also be praying for hearts to be changed by the gospel. Because until the gospel takes hold again in the hearts of our country, of our nation, of our community, and of our church, until hearts are changed by the truth of the gospel, this will be an empty victory. The second thing we can do is something that we will have an opportunity to do at least twice this year. And that is vote. Vote along the lines of life. Life is a very important thing to consider when it comes to candidates that we choose. But don't just vote. Hold your elected account, elected officials accountable. I know I will be 51 on Tuesday. I have been voting since I was 19, I believe. I had the option to vote when I was 18, but there wasn't an election that year. I had to wait a year. And I have very often, not every single time, because I have made bad choices, but I have voted for officials who claim to be pro-life. And I would imagine that most of you in this room would have voted along those same lines. And yet America in 2020 has the worst, most violent, most horrendous abortion laws in the developed world. Hold your elected accountables, officials accountable. Call them, write to them, remind them that you voted for them because of the issues for which you voted for them. Remind them that you have a voice. Remind them that you could send your vote another direction next time they come up for election. That's one of the best ways to get their attention. And remind them of the promises that they made. So pray, vote, hold your elected officials accountable. Fight for small advancements and then keep going. D.A. Carson wrote an article on this several years ago. As we fight for limits on abortion at 20 weeks or at the, t- at the point in which babies feel pain. Some pro-life advocates say all or nothing. 
And yet we should celebrate and fight for small advancements in pro-life pursuits. And then keep going for the next small advancement. Volunteer. Volunteer your time at a pregnancy center. Volunteer your time if God should so call you to stand outside places and pray and talk. Don't break the law. I'm not encouraging that whatsoever. We are bound by the law of the land. And there are certain distances that you must keep from clinics. But don't be willing. Don't forget that great power could happen. A good friend of mine, John Barrows from Florida, has retired from his construction job. And that's what he spends his time doing three or four days a week in Orlando, Florida. He is on the sidewalk with other men and women in front of abortion clinics, sharing the gospel, giving alternatives. And then finally, give. Give to organizations who fight for life on a political basis. Give to organizations who offer options to moms. Like Women's Choice Pregnancy Resource Center. Give of your time. If you know of somebody who made the choice to keep a baby instead of aborting it. Be willing to babysit. Be willing to help them out. Be willing to walk with them through the difficulty of raising a child as potentially a single mother. Be willing to give of your money. Be willing to give of your time. And be willing to give of your voice. Which falls into all of these. Speak up. If we don't speak for them, who will? God holds life sacred. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do confess our sin before you that we have been complacent. Out of fear, out of a desire to fit in, whatever it is, we have been complacent in this fight. Give us boldness to speak the gospel to people who are suffering. Give us boldness to open our homes, open our lives to people who need help. Give us boldness to vote. Give us boldness to to speak truth to those who are in power, to remind them of the promises they have made. And give us the boldness to give of our time and our financial resources so that the world may see that we value life and so that you may be glorified because we value life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.